0: Hi everybody, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody's doing great as we come to an end of the month of August and uh, approach Labor Day weekend. Where did the summer go? But the summer's ending on a pretty good note, politically at least, and actually substantively on policy as well. And that's what I want to talk about today, because the Democrats are finally acting like a majority party. And uh, it's kind of, again, shocking for someone like me who's been very active in politics for over 20 years and been waiting for this moment for a long time. Uh, And we're now seeing the emergence of a Democratic Party that's assertive and it is really confident and going for the jugular, going on offense. And this is a beautiful thing. Because the Democratic Party, for most of my adult life, has been very reactive, reflexive, overly accommodating. And and it just seemed afraid to take strong moral stances. And that has finally given way to, again, a confident, strong movement on the offense. And, you know, I want to do my part to praise this. To add ideas to this and to just hope it continues because this is definitely the way forward. Now, we're obviously in the very, very early days of this transition to a more muscular Democratic Party that's, you know, taking strong stances, but it's an amazing thing to witness. And early indications are that it's going to pay dividends. It doesn't mean Democrats are going to win every key race or, you know, run the table on Republicans. We Again, the institutions and structures of this country are heavily rigged in favor of the American Taliban and the white supremacists. But nothing breeds success like success. And America and Americans hate weakness, And a party that acts weak is just never going to get large majorities. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, what are some examples of this new assertive muscular democratic party that I am so happy about? Well, just yesterday, Joe Biden, or I guess it's yesterday from my time frame. When you listen to this, it will be last week. Uh, Joe Biden gave a speech where he called out the MAGA Republicans as semi-fascist. Now, he should have just gone all out and called them fascist or proto-fascist, but he used fascism. He said MAGA Republicans are semi-fascist. And he called them out for being anti-democratic and wanting to tear the country down. Go, Joe. I've been calling the MAGA Republicans fascist for years because that's what they are. And it's great to see the president doing that on abortion rights. So on August 25th, abortion rights were made completely illegal in Texas, including for rape and incest. So Texas is now a basically a terrorist Taliban state in which women have no control over their own bodies. And the, 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 you know, the a rapist's baby has more um, worth than the woman who's carrying it. And that's right now in Texas, in reality. And so Beta O'Rourke, who's running against Greg Abbott in Texas, came out with a you know a really hard-hitting ad on that first day that abortion rights were stripped in Texas. And he said, Democrats stand for freedom for women. And I really love this because we're seeing Democrats completely flip narratives that have survived in kind of the traditional mainstream conventional, um, you know, wisdom for decades, flipping them on their head. So Democrats are the party of freedom and democracy, right? That's something that Republicans and the right wing have kind of tried to monopolize. That we're for freedom and democracy, and you know, Democrats are for socialism, etc. Again, it's always been bullshit, but I love to see Democrats coming out saying, we're the ones for freedom. And it's real, right? It's tangible. It's the Republicans are saying that you must bear a rapist baby. And and Democrats are saying, no, you have the freedom to end that pregnancy. That's as concrete as it gets. Um, Biden you know, just did this student loan forgiveness, which is a great, great policy. I think he—he he really, they were really worried that if they went too far, that you know they would be considered kind of elitist for giving college students, you know, money. But if they did nothing, that would be a huge blow to the progressive movement. And I think they threaded the needle perfectly by giving ten thousand to everybody who makes under one hundred twenty-five grand, but then giving that extra ten thousand to people who got Pell Grants, which is pretty much a perfect correlate for low-income people. So kind of doubled the impact for low-income people. And this means that almost half of the people with outstanding student loans are getting those just erased. right? That's a huge win. And then the repayment program is being restructured to really make the payments a lot less and to make the amounts that are ultimately forgiven a lot a lot uh, more, more forgiven, and then less paid. So this is just a huge win. I think it's going to be very popular. And he, uh, you see him strongly defending his student loan forgiveness when, when reporters are just trying to, you know, make him, you know, say that it's a transfer of money to, you know, to, to college students from the working class, and he's just flipping it on them. And he's showing also what I just love on the White House Twitter, They're showing all the Republicans who got hundreds of thousands of dollars in PPP loans forgiven who are bashing the student loans and just calling them out for being hypocrites. Of course, you can take it one step further and go, what about all the people who aren't farmers who get farm subsidies, right? America is awash in all kinds of tax breaks and subsidies that we all as taxpayers pay, but only certain groups get. And he's saying, I'm fighting for the middle class. I want the middle class and students and young people to get a piece of that too. And I just love it. You know, it's, a, it's again a strong, muscular pushback. And you can tell they were prepared for the critics. They were prepared for the pushback, and they were ready to go, you know, full on. And again, nobody likes a hypocrite. Right. So the GOP just opened themselves up for mockery because, again, they were happy to hand out billions upon billions to farmers and to small businesses that money of it not to be repaid. Right. Just subsidies and grants. And then they're going to mock students and poor people who have crippling debt. And, you know, boom, just open them up to be mocked on Twitter and social media. And Biden has really come back to say, hey, we're the party of the middle class. All the rich people get all kinds of breaks. I'm going to give a break to the middle class. Again, beautiful politics, beautiful on substance as well. And this is largely new. This again, this offense, this deep, you know, conjoining of good politics and good substance is very, very new. This mojo has not been seen for a very long time. And we're even seeing it in the embrace of this dark Brandon meme, right? The GOP thought they were so clever, saying, fuck Joe Biden in some weird code word that only their little weird cult could could understand being the cowards that they are. They can't just come out and say, fuck Joe Biden. They have to say, you know, let's go Brandon or some stupid ass shit like that. And we flip that on them, too in such a beautiful fashion, right? We have all these dark Brandon memes of, you know, Joe is kind of a superhero delivering all this amazing stuff. And I just think that's beautiful. Flip everything on the Republicans. Take everything they're doing and flip it on them. Push it in their face and kick them while they're down. Look, Obama was poised and he was, a you know, a confident politician, but he didn't speak with moral fervor and he didn't aggressively push back against the right wing, almost at all. In fact, he almost always tried to appease them and throw them bones and say, well, I can understand their position. And we just have no more of that. We're just shutting that shit down. Now, this sudden reversal was a long time coming, but it's still shocking to see so clearly in so many ways, right? The Democratic Party, whose ideas are popular, you know, almost every democratic policy initiative, climate, clean energy, student loan forgiveness, paid family leave, health care, you know, immigration reform, voting rights, is, you know, enjoys support from 60, 70, 80, 90% of the public. And yet, why have we always been in a crouch being defensive when our stuff is popular? So we're finally seeing this reversal. And again, we're in the early days. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here because... You know, I want to see more months and years of this, but this new mojo that we're seeing largely tracks everything I've been advocating for on this podcast for these past, you know, almost six years, and it makes me incredibly happy. So after the break, I'll throw out some more ideas for how the Democrats can continue in this vein and really, you know, again, give it to the Republicans and uh, defeat fascism. OK, so to continue with how the Democrats can capitalize on this new mojo, I want to lean into this freedom thing a little bit more. Right. So Marcos Malitzas at Daily Coast, he has also been coming out saying that the Democrats should really kind of rebrand as the Freedom Party. And I think that's great. It will both drive the right wing crazy and also highlight how the Dems actually do promote freedom. And I think they should mix together both positive and negative freedoms since Americans do want both. But oftentimes we only only emphasize the negative freedoms. But for example, Democrats should absolutely say, we want you to be free from gun violence. And also we want you to be free from pollution, air and water pollution. And then talk about the bills they just passed that are doing both. Right. The first major gun legislation in 30 years And again, the the new climate bill that's going to dramatically reduce pollution across the country. So say, we believe that you should be free from breathing in dirty air and free from having to worry that your kid's going to get shot at school, right? That's the type of freedom we believe in. But also the freedom to get a good education and care for your child and provide for your child. And they should talk about the student debt relief. And they should talk about their plans to increase paid family leave and universal pre-K and increase the child tax credit if they can get, you know, some increased majorities in Congress. They should, of course, absolutely lean into the freedom on women's rights, as that's both true and political gold right now, right? With the American Taliban going crazy across the country, every issue about abortion should be about freedom for women, Freedom for women and their doctors to make the right choices for them and their families and for their health, right? Freedom, freedom, freedom. Again, it will drive the right wing crazy, but there's nothing they can do because they want to restrict freedom. And and, and so it's just a great contrast. On the democracy front, I think the Democrats should absolutely taunt the Republicans by saying, you're anti-democracy because your ideas suck and you can't win with your ideas. You want to suppress votes and steal elections because you're scared of the voters. You're scared that if you tell the voters what you want to do, that they will reject you, right? That we Democrats, we want more people to vote because we're confident in our policies and our values and ideas. We're confident that if we tell you what we want to do, you're going to support them. Republicans want less people to vote Because again, they're afraid of the voters. They're afraid to be rejected for their giveaways to corporations and the rich, for their taking away of women's rights, for their kowtowing to religious extremists and racists. So the key point here is not only do we flip everything on the GOP, but we kick them while they're down. And again, I mean this politically, not physically, politically, right? The GOP is weak right now. On many fronts, right? They're enthralled to the cult of the, you know, Agent Orange, the former president. They're enthralled to the theocrats on the right and on the Supreme Court. They're enthralled to the gun lobbyists and the fossil fuel interests, and they are just weakened, right? Most Americans see through their fascism and anti-democracy and don't like it. So let's kick them while they're down, right? Hurt them now. Hurt them, make them pay in the midterms. A midterm that it was supposed to be a red wave blowout. Let's hurt them and let's keep the House and expand our majorities in the Senate. That will lead to a GOP civil war. It will destroy the Republican Party. It will weaken them before 2024 so we can kick them again and crush them and win the presidency again in 2024, right? You don't compromise with fascists, you defeat them. You crush them, and that's what I'm advocating for, right? Let's get more muscular, more strong. Let's drive the GOP crazy, right? And just you know, run the table on them as much as we can. So after the break, I'll come back with the antidote. going to come back to something I've said a bunch on this podcast, which is that progressives need to take yes for an answer. The Democratic Party of today is not the corporatist centrist party of 20 or even 10 years ago. Yes, we still have corporatists and bad Democrats like Sinema and Manchin, but they are the exception. They used to be the norm. right? When Obama had 60 senators, probably 20, 30 of them were like cinema and mansion. Now we have less, we only have 50, but we only have two. So the percentage of the Democratic caucus that is strongly progressive is way higher than it was even 10 years ago. The Democratic caucus has moved considerably to the left over the last decade, and in very good ways. It's not some crazy far-left socialist party. It's a much closer to a solid social democratic party of Europe. And that should be celebrated. The Democrats are delivering on many of their key promises, and we should praise them and reward them with more support. So if you're a liberal and progressive like me, of course, let's keep pushing for more and better progressive Democrats. And let's keep working hard for the social policies that we didn't get enacted this time around in this Congress. But let's give credit where credit is due and work hard to make sure the Democrats come back stronger than ever in the next couple election cycles. Right? At this pace, if we can keep this up, we can get, again, a couple more senators, get rid of the filibuster, keep the House, keep the presidency. We can have years of really good progressive legislation, and we can do the things we've been wanting to do for decades. We can get good immigration reform and legalize the DACA, the millions of DACA you know, young people. Right? We can get much stronger gun safety and ban assault weapons, and make mandatory background checks for everyone, and ban ghost guns, right? We can do good social policy. We can increase that child tax credit. We can raise taxes on the rich. We can do more climate policy, right? There's just a lot more to do, and of course, voting rights, right? But the thing here is, let's take yes for an answer. Let's realize the Democrats of today are not the Democrats of 10 years ago, and they are delivering, and we should be happy and supportive. Again, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't criticize them. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't push for even better stuff. But again, to take a pause and appreciate how far we've come and the successes we're enjoying and the confidence that that will bring. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, Please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And with that, everybody, uh, have a great Labor Day weekend and uh, be well, stay safe, take care.